0: So next week, we will move into that portion of John's gospel that includes what we would sometimes call the passion uh, of Christ, the story of his betrayal and uh, uh, trial, conviction, crucifixion. I I think by saying this, I I, I bind myself to, to do it. I was thinking some this week about that service next week, you know, really, the the only time that I really focus on that portion of Scripture, be it in whichever of the four Gospels, is uh, right around Palm Sunday. So I thought we may we won't get we won't get too too wild, uh, but we may reformat a little bit in order to kind of take chunks of that passage throughout the service. So I'll be honest with you; I don't really know what that's going to look like right now. But uh, have a week, right? So. Uh, but I'm looking forward to that uh, that service. I think it's good for us as uh, as people of uh, of the cross uh, to spend some time considering it. So uh, service may look a little different. We'll include all of the usual uh, elements of our of our service. Uh, the order may be a little a little unique though. Which I think it's good. I think it's good for us. I think it makes us uh, uh, aware during the service of kind of what's going on. It's easy for Shoot, it's easy for me sometimes to just kind of, well, you know, here's the next thing, and you know, just kind of flow through the flow through the service. So pray for uh, pray for our service as we gather next week that God would uh, uh, God would speak to us. Mm. When I thought about embarking on this journey through John, I didn't really realize that eight weeks <laughs> would be spent in the chapters that comprise Jesus' farewell. Discourse, but this is week eight, and 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 we basically jumped over chapter seven or chapter sixteen. We're not going to backtrack. We're going to wrap it up uh, today. All that to say, we've probably not done even on kind of a of a high level overview real justice to what Jesus has to say. There is a richness and a depth. Again, just to kind of set the stage, this is Jesus' last message to his disciples. Literally, the the day of his betrayal, I think there was a time a couple weeks ago when I said maybe uh, something similar would be a parent dropping a child off at college. Uh, you know I have all of this me- I have all of this information that I, I need you to know, and, and there 's just kind of this this uh, this spewing of information and and, and John uh, did his best to to, to take note of-, of those things that were most important. Uh, about what Jesus said, inspired by the Spirit, but this is a a very rich and and deep uh, sharing of Jesus' heart for his disciples. Hopefully we've seen at least a glimpse of that. Going back, though, even beyond the the farewell discourse, back to the very first Sunday that we began in John chapter 1, even verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God is as it it begins. But on that Sunday, I included uh, the the image that's here on the right side. This is from John 20, verse 31, and it explains John's purpose in writing. It's very clear. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This speaks, of course, to the overall theme of John's gospel, and more than that, the overall theme of Jesus' ministry. That you may believe, that you and I, that we, that the world, may come to believe that Jesus is the Christ, and as a result, have life in his name. As we conclude our kind of purview or overview of the farewell discourse, I thought it would be helpful to look at it through the lens of that overarching goal that the world may believe. What is it that John, especially at the end of chapter 17, what is it that John includes in Jesus' prayer for his disciples, his prayer offered to the Father? What are those things that make up the criteria of helping the world to believe, those things that we are called to do? You know, probably more so in, in years past. I don't do it too often, but kind of the, the idea of, you know, I have, I have three things for us to consider, and they all start with the same letter. If you like that, well, this is your day. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have three things, and they all start with the letter I. The first one, involvement, involvement. From John 17, verse 15, John prays to the Father, I do not ask that you take them, the disciples, those who would believe us, out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. The first requirement in encouraging the world to believe is involvement. I think I think that that kind of underlines my my thinking this, this morning and, and why I kind of latched on to this story of, of CJ that Bill mentioned a few moments ago. This, this presence in the world among a very diverse group of people, both in, 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 in uh, uh, lifestyle or in belief or whatever the case may be, that we are put in their path for a reason. That it is not just by happenstance or luck that we run into people. Christians are called to live actively in the world, not attempt to retreat from it. Of course, we need that that time with God. We need that time of refueling and refilling and that one-on-one time, just as Jesus demonstrated as he would often leave his disciples to go and pray. I think it's after the transfiguration in one of the Gospels, probably several of them, where Peter, James, and John are up on the mountain with Jesus and Jesus is transfigured before their eyes and Elijah and Moses are on the mountain and Peter kind of says, let's just let's camp out here. And, 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 and then they go down the mountain and there's this, there's this real sense within the tone of the gospel, within the tone of the narrative, that as they come down the mountain, they are immediately met by the needs of people. I think the story there is that a demon-possessed man encounters them right away always been taken with that, that rhythm of life, huh? this time with God in order to prepare, to, to, to be, in essence, the, the presence of God in a world in great need. One author said, Christianity was never meant to withdraw a man from life. It was meant to equip him better for life. Christianity does not offer us an escape from problems, it offers us a way to solve our problems. Christianity does not offer us an easy peace. It offers us a triumphant battle. Christians in the world are a key reminder of Christ's presence. Involvement is one of the th- criteria of helping the world come to believe. Integrity, there's a good I word John 17, verse 17 Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world, and for their sake I consecrate or sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. Integrity. Said another way, as we live in the world, we must be careful that our profession, what we say we believe, and our practices, what we do, are in harmony. Now, are we perfect? Are we always going to get it right? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. There must be an awareness of that and an honesty about that, a humility about it that aligns that we are people who are redeemed by the Lord who remain in need of the grace of the Lord but who are attempting striving by the power of the Holy Spirit to make sure that what we say and what we do matches. We tell you a great story about a young spelling bee contestant from a couple years ago. Her name was Rosalie She had been invited to participate in the National Spelling Bee in Washington, D.C. She was a very, very bright 11-year-old girl from South Carolina with a a, a darling South South Carolinian drawl. It was her turn to spell. They had reached, at that point, the third round. This is the word she was given. I don't know if you can. Clap. It's kind of little. A vowel, okay? Not a e i o u. <laughs> a vowel meaning acknowledgement, honest admission, and affirmation of the truth of what you believe. Affirmation. So little Rosalie was given the word avowal. She asked for a definition. She asked for the judges to use it in a sentence. And then, even though it was a word that she had not studied, had not prepared for, she began to spell. And with great deference to those with an accent, I will attempt to imitate her. She began a v o w i. Hell. And the judges sat there. And they, they played back her spelling because they, there was dispute among the, the panel of judges whether the final vowel, I, was it an E or an A. They played it back again and they like, I? One, said, one judge said, oh, an A. She got it right. Another judge, eh? Oh, that's an E. They go back and forth. And, and finally, finally, they had one option. They had to ask her. Now, by then, because of the delay in the proceedings, she had figured out the correct spelling. She had looked up the correct spelling of the word. They called her back on stage, and the chief. Judge of the spelling bee asked her, "Rosalie, this puts you in a predicament, but I'd like to have you confirm for me that next to last letter of the word was it in your spelling the first letter in the alphabet or the letter that comes after the D?" Huh? And she stood there and she said, "The letter that comes after D." later the new york times got wind of this story it actually happened way more than a few years ago it happened in the 80s and her integrity this 11 year old south carolinian speller was lauded in fact they said that I think I think if you get the letter wrong, if you get the word wrong at the spelling bee, the bell dings, which has always confused me. This is why I never participated in the spelling bee. I think if you get it wrong, the the bell dings. If you get it right, nothing happens. But the bell dinged after she confessed to misspelling the word, and the judges stood and applauded her for her honesty. Little eleven-year-old girl being honest about what she had said, what she had done. She was lauded as an example of integrity. You know, the world will believe when it sees Christians who take their cue for moral principles and ethical decisions, not from the principles of the world. The world sees that all the time. If it feels good, do it. Or after all, everyone else is doing it, whatever. The world is looking for something different. Something like what Eleanor displayed. So, involvement, integrity, the last one, incarnation. 17, verse beginning of verse 22. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one, even as we are one. Jesus prays to the Father, I and them, and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. In commenting on this somewhat wordy passage, one author described it as clumsy. <laughs> I, I I can relate. I, I I take that same impression even from the words of Jesus. She attempted to summarize what Jesus is saying like this, though. I found it helpful. Christ has given himself to us so that we may give ourselves to each other. It returns us to the idea that our third requirement, our third criteria in the world coming to believe Is a familiar focus in John's gospel. Incarnation. This living among, this this, this idea of God coming among us. Jesus prayers that we would be one, even as God the Father and Christ the Son experienced oneness. And within that dynamic, there exists an interdependence. There's another I word if you want to force one. Interdependence. Whereby Christ has given himself to us so that we may give ourselves. To each other. You belong to Christ, I belong to Christ, we belong to each other. Jesus is describing the oneness that comes when Christians share the experience of the presence of God, the glory of the Father, and the lives of his people and in the world. This, this, this goal of the Christian life in many ways. As Christians model these criteria, these characteristics, the world is drawn to consider the richness of God's love even through our testimony. Involvement in the world, integrity in our lives, and incarnating God's love summarizes Jesus' prayer that we would be catalysts of the world coming to believe. That calling and responsibility is significant. It's through the Spirit who has indwelled us that it becomes possible. And it's through the love best encapsulated by Jesus' sacrifice in these next two chapters of John, viewing it as within the greater context. This prayer comes directly before the great sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. It's that sacrifice that inspires us to be faithful to his call.